For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money at Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Believe in Vikings with BMAC and Baker. I am your host, Dustin Baker. Here with Brian McKinney, who won a Super Bowl championship 2012. Baltimore Ravens played for the Vikings for 10 years. Dolphins for a year. We got Sally from Minneapolis. Ron from Eden Prairie. And Kevin Goldconnell is a new coach. Not on the show, but he's in the building in Egan. He's going to lead the enterprise for hopefully a dozen years. Alongside new general manager, Kwesi Adolfo Mensa. So we're going to talk about... Chiefly, the addition of O'Connell and go through some of the Vikings topics of the week because that's what we do here. But first, per usual, we're going to talk about our sponsor, which is betonline.ag. Football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next uh, fired head coach is going to land, BetOnline is number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, to get started. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right over to the Olympic coverage, which is the best in the business. From sports right to your favorite Vegas casino games as well, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet online, where the game starts. The Super Bowl took place last Sunday, and the Matthew Stafford-led Rams took it home after trading, let's see here, six draft picks, five draft picks worth of first-rounders. They got a, a dream team of Hollywood names, and boom, they won the Super Bowl. They took down the upstart Bengals. So, B Mac, you said you had you hosted a party, a watch party. A, tell me about that, and B, tell me what you thought of the game. Um, yeah, I hosted a watch party in Winwood uh, down here, and uh, it was a great turnout. And I felt like the game was a very interesting game. Um, and it basically came down to the last possession of the game, just like pretty much the rest of these games for the most part of the playoffs. Um, so. I think everybody was happy to see, you know, a great game at the end of the day. I do. I am glad to see that Odell Beckham because he, he was having a great start and then he got injured. 
So I was glad to see that he finally got a chance to have a ring just because of the fact that all the things he had went through, you know what I mean? Um, especially during that season. Then the Browns released him and he finds himself there. And then you had Von Miller there. You had like, it was almost like they built like a little all-star team. Yeah. Letterman I'll came say. back out of retirement. <laughs> um, yeah. Cooper Did you play with Weddle? In, or was Weddle, Weddle was in San Diego. Yeah, like, when you were I was like in my fifth year by the time Weddle got um, drafted and he's still playing. <laughs> well, I guess he's about to retire now, but he just finally got a championship as well. So on that side, I feel like a lot, I looked at a lot of people over there you know, deserved it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Even Aaron Donald had been working extremely hard that he was making some big plays um, in this game. Even the one where he stopped them from getting the first down, I think it was like, what, fourth and one or whatever it was? Third and one. And he, yeah. he stopped third and one, and he stopped them from getting that first down. Um, they play, I mean, I feel like everybody, even at the uh, Cincinnati defense, I feel like they were playing great first the first quarter, first half. <clears throat> and you could tell everybody was fighting for it. Um, I even seen the play at the, at the very end. Um, if Burrow had a little more time, so Ramsey fell. Yeah, and, uh, Chase was had him, had Chase him was wide open. If he just had like a little time, it would have been a whole touchdown. And we've been talking about a whole nother yeah. you know, team winning the Super Bowl. Now, now, real quick, Brian. So you're 41, 42, somewhere in the 42. So how does it, so Andrew Whitworth, like, I know, obviously your career's overlapped. <laughs> he's been in the league, like, you know, he's 40 years old, but he's as with Tom Brady retiring, he's the oldest player in the NFL. Like mm-hmm. from your experience, like, again, he's another, like he's stature wise, just similar to you. I know. I think he's like six, seven, whatever, three thirty, whatever. So can you imagine playing at 40 at that level? Like, like, I mean, I know like you keep yourself no. in good shape, but football. <laughs> but to they must take different. care of him because I feel like I had to do everything. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> he didn't have to practice probably hard. Every when I got to the Dolphins, that's when they kind of like backed up and was like, I said, oh, my bad, it's a while ago. And it took some years, you know, I would say some years of my career, but <laughs> they definitely probably knew to take care of him when he got a certain age and he didn't have to do every rep. And I got the Baltimore, like, you had to do every rep still. And then after that season, we had got a new O-line coach. He was making everybody do all reps still. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, year 11 for me. I'm still taking every rep. <laughs> Whitworth, uh, Whitworth spent 11 years with the Bengals on Mike Zimmer's Bengals, if you will. So this was like the Whitmer Bowl. Like he just his past, his present, and then if he retires, his future. It was really cool that that story ended for him. Sally, tell me. So the game didn't disappoint. You wanted a good game between these two lovable quarterbacks. What'd you think? Oh yeah, I don't think you could have asked for anything better. It was great. I mean like Brian said, came down to the end. Of course, that's what you want. I was actually pretty impressed with as many. I mean, I know Joe Burrow was sacked. What was it? Seven. Seven Seven. times, which is obviously not ideal, but I really thought that they were going to get destroyed worse than that. I, I was a little bit worried. It might be a little bit of a blowout just because of how dominating I thought that the Rams would be in the trenches against them. So, um, it was, it was great. I thought Joe Burrow played as well as he could have. Um, and, you know, it was a little bit of a slow start for the Rams, but they ended up pulling it out. Like Brian said, I mean, I was, I was excited for OBJ that he at least got to contribute in the beginning of the game, as disappointing as I'm sure it was to not be able to go back in after he was injured. What a bummer would it have been if he didn't even have a, a complete pass or a touchdown and got injured and, and then won a ring, you know, that wouldn't have been ideal at all. So I, I, overall, I was so happy to see Matt Stafford get a ring as well as the other guys that Bryant mentioned. Um, 
well-deserved. Obviously this plan for the Rams could have blown up in their face big time. And um, I think it was nice to see that it all worked out for them. And plus now the Vikings have a Super Bowl winning head coach. So <laughs> and we start, we start all over the clean slate now with a new coach, new general manager. So it's a good omen to have a dude with the ring hardware come to town. We have a winning culture. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Bada bing. Uh, Ron, tell me your thoughts on the Super Bowl to play out how you thought. Well, so it, yeah, in a way it did. Um, actually, I know last week, I think I said that I was going to you know, put my money on the Rams. I actually uh, changed that and had the Bengals to cover and the under. So I was sweating that at the end. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, like that was, uh, I, I I think it was more so the odds that they were given. I'm like, I like that return more than I do than the laying more on the Rams. So that was part of it. But also I wanted to, to put my money to root for Burrow. Um, like the more and more that time goes on, like this kid, he's, he, I, I just, I like, just like everyone else. Like I'm enamored with the kid. He like the way he carries himself his uh, his swag, like, you know, just like his persona, like he, he, he exudes that confidence that, and it's not like cross, it's not the arrogance. Like it's not Rogers arrogance. Um, he just a very likable guy. Even a video I saw today where he's on the field, he's introducing himself to Eric Weddle and Aaron Donald and Von Miller. Like even like Eric I've Weddle. Talking, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like that, like that's that just cool. so cool. Like in that moment to, to, for a guy to be like, to, you know, respect the guys who, you know, were there before him and um, understand, and, uh, you know, that while it's a game, there's still that human element to it. And that was cool to kind of kind of see that. So, um, again, for the Rams, it, like, I do feel like it was their time. Like, you know, we've talked about the no draft picks for the last six years or whatever. So um, they it's good for them. I'm glad to see while I don't like the owner, um, I'm glad to see that type of strategy work where you go all in, put your chips on the table and uh, and come away with it. Uh, but then even there, no animosity towards any player um, that play like the Van Jefferson moment. Like how great is that? Like where he's with his kids and they tell him, Hey, your wife's in the hospital having a baby. Um, like, you know, every story about it was, was really cool. And then to see Whitworth win the man of the year um, earlier in the week and to hear that story with Derek Barnes, um, you know, how he um, was at the boys and girls club or whatever in Cincinnati and Hey, look, look what I made it like those type of stories are cool. And there wasn't any negative light on either side of the team, which was, uh, which made for a fun Super Bowl. So between that, the halftime show, I thought, um, you know, I was a big fan of, so that's my era right there. Just like everyone else here, I think. So, um, but yeah, it was a, it was, I like those low scoring games. And although I think that Logan Wilson got jobbed on that holding penalty, but uh, um, other than that, I thought, uh, thought it was a well-played game. Yeah, that was a Zimmer score, twenty three twenty, keeping it low scoring. Yeah. My, yeah. Uh, my, go ahead. I was just saying, it was so weird how there was almost no penalties until yeah. the end there, <laughs> and it was just, it seemed like they were really letting them play, and then at the mm-hmm. end, it was, I don't know how many penalties were there, like back to back, like five or something, or oh, close yeah. together. Close Stafford, to I swear to God, Stafford had nine chances of that first and goal. Oh yeah, so, yeah, I mean, it definitely was crazy. My takes, takeaways, so to speak, from that game were. It, it, I, I think it, it is criminal that the way that because Aaron Donald plays defense, yeah, it, it, we won't that won't be on highlight reels like LeBron's chase down block from 2016 or the Minneapolis miracle. But I swear to Christ, those two plays were just like a Michael Jordan buzzard beater or a walk off touchdown that you would see in a playoff game. Because if you guys saw the video from NFL.com, like, uh, 
McVeigh said he's going to go win the game. So on third and one, I think what's what Brian was talking about. He like grabbed him by the hips and said, you're coming back here. You're not getting the first down. And then on fourth down, it was like him versus 11 dudes. And he said, I'm going to get this quarterback hell or high water. So the guy who should have won MVP of the Super Bowl made two MVP plays, but they're really only be remembered by football guys and gals because it, he didn't have the ball in his hands, but right. he, he sealed the deal on defense and it was remarkable Mm -hmm. at least like no disrespect to Stafford uh but I'm like we fall into this trend where quarterbacks are always the one that get these awards and everything so I'm glad that they gave it to Cup because I think like yes that no look throw that will be that you'll see for decades was great but you know the fourth and one play or whatever when they did the end around or whatever the jet sweep to cup uh that play the like he's the one who kind of had that drive going what did he have 45 yards or something receiving um so i'm glad they didn't just fall into the trap of hey well stafford threw for multiple touchdowns in the super bowl let's just give it to him so um while yes i do agree i think donald like he imposed his will throughout the game and um so but the one thing i will say what what is going on in Zach Taylor's mind where there were two big plays, I think I'm fourth down, where you have Joe Mixon in the backfield and you give it to Samaj Pirine, like a guy who was out of the NFL for at least a year and a half. That's who you give it to on fourth down. We'll never I think wasn't that. he dealing with some sort of injury though? He looked kind of beat up. Not that he that's an there, excuse, but he was in there on every first and second down pretty much. Oh, or, I thought for a minute he went out, but maybe he did. I could be but, wrong. I, I still that baffles me. Perrine guy was cousins RB one in Washington. He was for, for, yeah. for a year. Yeah. Him and him Rob Kelly was there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So back when there were no running backs in, in Washington. Yeah. My uh my other take was a, t- a tweet that I saw, I can't remember who it was, that uh Eric Weddle absolutely absolutely lived the retired guy's dream that <laughs> yeah. go- gone for two years, gets the phone call, leads the team in tackles in the playoffs, wins the Super Bowl, pays the piper with a torn peck gets his ring. I mean, storybook, Hollywood screenplay. Mm-hmm. And and yep. then and then I just want to say on OBJ, he, he's got such a cool dynamic that he can balance the wide receiver persona because he does wide receiver shit, but he's so lovable. And usually like with Antonio Brown, you don't get the the oh, come here give me a hug. It's usually outlandish stuff for your scratch in your head. But with OBJ, he could, he does it both. He'll take the boat pictures, he'll talk himself out of Cleveland. But at the end of the day, so to speak, you're watching the game and you're cheering for the guy. So however he does it, I think that's really, really cool. Yeah. Well, can we ask, Bryant, I'm curious, what yeah. is your feelings on MVP awards and stuff? Did Joe Flacco win your Super Bowl MVP? Yeah, Flacco did win it. I mean, but he had like an amazing game. He did. Right? Great. But how do you feel like, did you have an opinion on who won MVP for this Super Bowl or is it something you just it doesn't really hold much weight. Um, I don't know who won it. <laughs> oh, Cooper cup won it. Okay. The Rams receiver, but they were, you know, some people feel like Aaron Donald should have won it for like me for some of the plays. Cause he, 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 he changed yeah. the pace of the game. Kind of, you know? Yeah, he did. Um, but I mean, both of those guys, I don't even feel like they're even concerned on who, you know what I mean? Right. Like, at the end, they came to their team. Um, Aaron Donald did make some uh, good plays when it was needed, but Coop, I guess you know he's been playing at a high you know level all year long, and it just—he's the first player since they said Jerry Rice even. But yeah, uh, have, uh, he did it all one season. Yeah, mm-hmm. to have the triple crown in receiving, to have offensive player of the year and Super Bowl MVP. So Rice is the only other player to do all that in a career, and yeah, career. Cup did it in a season. So um, yeah. probably one of the best. Uh, 
you know, receiving seasons in NFL history. Yeah. And it just kind of flew under the radar. I don't know how, but it, yeah. fantasy football players yeah. knew all about it, but mm-hmm. it was like, he was almost like a more dynamic feeling with the way that he, you know, catches the ball, runs the routes and was targeted to the utmost and it just clicked. And I don't know. I think, just, I think, I think it's cause he's not a self promoter. Right. And they just, oh, yeah. the way they design plays to get him the yeah. ball, like it's yeah. like, again, not taking anything away from what they've done, but it didn't seem like there was anything overly complicated that they were running. It's just, mm-hmm. Hey, you're a good route runner. You're good in space. We're going to find a way to pull a little bit of coverage away from you and whether it's zone or man. And, um, and he, they did it, you know, for the full 17 games plus the playoffs. So especially the uh, final, good for them. the final drive when OBJ was out, you're not going to rely on mm-hmm. that. Schwajnowski or whatever the one guy is. Skaronic. Yeah, Skaronic. You're not and and so it was the proverbial, you know who's gonna get the ball, you know who's taking the last shot, and they still couldn't stop Cooper Cup. So uh all right, let's go into Viking stuff. Uh Ron Ed Donatel is darn close or will be the defensive coordinator. The good part about him is that he's been around forever. He was a Packers D coordinator in the early 2000s. And he bounced around. I think he wound up with the Broncos the last couple of years. He's supposed to be Vic Fangio's right-hand man. Uh, he never really, outside of early on, both or promotes fabulous like Zimmer prime defenses, but they're never really crappy. So I think we'll be relevant on defense, certainly better than the last two years if they get the right personnel, which is a big if. But what do you think on the Donatel hire, sir? I mean, I, I like it. Um, I, you know, again, my knowledge of what he brings to the table is, uh, you know, very minimal other than knowing that, yeah, he's been Pangeo's right-hand man. You know, I think he's in his sixties. So he has that multiple decades worth of experience, um, which again, we've talked about having a young head coach. It's nice to have someone who's been around the block a little bit. Um, so that's nice. And uh, also the, I, he's always run a three, four defense and that, to me is intriguing um, just in the sense that much like how Zimmer kind of created that double a gap blitz mm-hmm. uh, where it just brings a different look. Um, now, again, it all depends on personnel. Like again, if you have a Daniel Hunter on the outside, you know, if say bar, you, you know, you retain him at a, at a valuable deal. Um, you have guys who can fit the mold. Um, obviously Kendrick's can play in any scheme, uh, but the reason why I like it is we've been, and the loss of Andre Patterson, I think is going to hurt, but we've been stockpiling these kind of defensive tackles, like whether it's James Lynch, um, you know, obviously Michael Pierce from his contract, we'll see what happens. Dalvin Tomlinson, uh, but Armand Watts, like we have a lot of these guys who are kind of those tweeners where they're not a nose tackle, but they're kind of playing at that nose, but they may fit better in that three, four end, like the, you know, Cam Haywards of the world and, and, you know, Justin Smith's of the world where they're a little undersized, but they can use that. So I'm in, interested to see how this defense is manipulated in that regard. Um, but I definitely, uh, I'm looking forward to the changes that come and, um, you know, hopefully getting the best out of, um, the talent that we have as well as infusing with some talent. Ellie, the Vikings, almost all franchise history have played a four, three, and there's a very strong likelihood that September, blah, blah, blah. Week one, we'll have a three, four Vikings defense. Do you, you think that's going to feel weird or who cares? Um, I, I think it's probably more of a, of a, who cares, especially with as young as a lot of the defense is or will be, I, I don't worry about that too much. Um, 
the only thing really that concerns me about him, and I know this is really petty, um, but that is a lot of Packers fans don't think favorably of him. Um, I'm not going to act like I remember the 2003 season like the back of my hand because I definitely don't, but um, I know that they blame that playoff loss um, on him, justified or not. Um, So... Well, yeah, yeah, I like him, except for, you know, if that if that history repeats itself against them, I I won't be uh, I won't be too excited about it. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously, the guy has a ton of experience. He's still in the NFL for a reason. Um, I more so am concerned about, you know, how he works with Kevin, how he communicates with the guys. And I think if the rest will fall in place, if that goes well. Max, so you played left tackle for over a decade. Did it? Did you give a damn about whether the defense was playing four three or three four? Um, no, I just feel like some. Uh, no, no, I didn't. You, did you prepare for it each week? So, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, whatever defense was. So, no, I didn't. I, it didn't matter to me. Is like, is there a? Is there? A, do you sit down and say, all right, I got to do this when they're playing three four, or that when they're playing a four three, or you just really study your yeah, matchup? I mean, it's, it's a little different because the way people are lined up and stuff is a little is a little different um, for you as an offense. Um, but no, but other than that, though, once you get started getting reps against you know that type of defense, you, you get used to it. Okay, but the majority of the defense you see are four threes, so, so that's why it probably seems more common or more, especially in your time. Yeah. Yeah, they've morphed. I'd say I don't know what the split is, Ron, but they've certainly got more three, four happy over the years. And that's why it always mm-hmm. kind of felt like very Zimmerian that we would just stick with four, three, hell or high water. When we had some dudes, Anthony Barr, anybody that could uh dangle into that three, four stratosphere. All right, let's go, Sally. I got this one for you. So I think um over the past six months that you have said when things were tunneling downhill for Zimmer and Spielman that if indeed Kirk Cousins was going to be back on the team, you wanted a different pair of eyes to make the choice. Um, It seems like whether it's Adam Schefter or Paul Allen, uh, that the Cousins will probably be back. Maybe you don't agree with that, but that's what I feel at this moment based on somewhat credible testimonials. Um, Will you trust the new pair of eyes that you wanted in Quasi to give this a one or two year audition with the new regime? Or would you still rather see him traded to to the Browns or something? No, I absolutely trust whatever uh, their vision is going forward. That's exactly what I've been asking for. I agree with you that it seems to me, um, even just based on reading, you know, the interviews that have came out today with Kevin O'Connell, um, you know, he they talk a lot about the offense, talking a lot about culture and stuff as well. But it seems just reading the tea leaves that. Um, both of them are on board board with keeping cousins. It doesn't sound to me based on the narrative that they're putting out there, that they have any interest in doing even a soft rebuild um, or that they're, you know, they're not being elusive by saying things like, well, we're exploring all options or, well, you know, we'll, you know, we're open to anything or anything like that. So I would be shocked actually, if he isn't back and I agree with you that there will most likely be some sort of restructure um, to get that money off the books. And I'm absolutely fine with that. Um, I think that this was probably decided a long time ago in the interview process because Quasi and Kevin would have to be on the same page. And obviously Quasi presented his plan to the wolves, uh, wolves, excuse me, before he got the job. So Yeah. 
it's exactly what I wanted. I think they can do what the Broncos did last year with George Payton as general manager coming in. Um, he basically gave Fangio, Bridgewater, Locke, a one-year trial before he says, we're going to do it my way. So I, I think that can be afforded to O'Connell because he'll, pro- I hate to say it, but he'll probably have to have a rookie season growing pains that very well mm-hmm. could end up in seven and 10, eight, nine, but it won't feel as miserable because it's not consistent mediocrity or back and forth like Zimmer fostered. So I think that the vision here, because I, I indeed believe cousins will be back for probably two more seasons is that why don't we let him get, you know, be 34. He'll, he'll go with an offensive minded guy with a, a, a not rigid culture and see what he can do. Because statistically it's like Derek, uh, Derek Carr, Kirk cousins, Matthew Stafford are the same dude. And Cousins is really the only one that gets scrutiny for having the mediocre win-loss record. It'll never make sense to me. It doesn't have to. Um, but I, I really think that with O'Connell, the offensive guy, that uh, if you give Cousins one fair shake, then in a good quarterback draft next April 2023, then you can try your Mahomes dreams and then play him like Alex Smith and have this dude ready to take over if indeed this 2022 season is ho-hum. Ron. Yeah. The Derek mm-hmm. Carr comparison is interesting to me. And I don't know how he avoids all of the scrutiny really, because mm-hmm. he's been around long enough and you really, but I just feel like, Oak or sorry, excuse me, Las Vegas, they just don't get a ton of coverage regardless. As far as national media goes, I think that their fan base is really over Derek Carr and want to move on from mm-hmm. him from what I read online. But for some reason, they just don't, even Minnesota is getting more national attention than you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a little weird. So yeah, I agree. Ron hit us with it. Uh, it seems like the writing on the wall is that Kirk will be the dude one more time. What do you got? Yeah. And, you know, I, I believe that will be the case. And I think, um, like I mentioned a few weeks ago with Quazy and his uh, relationship with Stefanski, um, um, they're, they're leaving no stone unturned, whether it's, um, you know, getting the knowledge or at least the insight on, you know, what Stefanski would have thought. Again, this is, when he was with the Browns and then Kevin O'Connell being um, the offensive court or the quarterback coach for him in Washington. So um, you have guys who have, who are close to the situation. Um, and obviously they're football guys who understand what Kirk brings to the table and hopefully understand how to bring out the best in Kirk and elevate the rest of the team. Now, obviously it will be the financial aspect of it because if uh you know, like we've talked about before, he's Kirk's not going to be back on 45 million. If he is, then that will be a major mistake because there will be no money for anywhere else. <laughs> um, but you bring him back even, you know, in that $30 million range, which is, you know, what he essentially was at when he signed his uh, fully guaranteed deal. Um, I think that'll soften a lot of the, the, the voices that are out there because now instead of it being 45 million, it's, it's 30 and it feels a lot better. So you do that, you have all the other restructures to bring contracts down. And then I think you have the opportunity to be competitive in a division that could be without Aaron Rodgers next year. Um, so it's, I like the idea of seeing him with the offensive guy. Um, and again, very similar to Stafford um, and everything he brings to the table. Again, I've always said those two are very similar. I think Kirk's more accurate, but Stafford has a stronger arm. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you surround them with talent and they can show that they're in that, you know, eight to 12 range of quarterbacks in the NFL. And you can win with that. Carson Wentz um, is, a you know, someone who 
if he was in that eight to 12 range, the Colts would probably been a better team this year. Baker Mayfield's mm-hmm. another example. Mm-hmm. Um, but in an interrupt for just a second and talk about Nord VPN N O R D. What's more important than peace of mind? Nothing. And that's what Nord VPN is here for to give you peace of mind while you're online. And with all of these threats that are out there that you face today on the internet, it's more important than ever to be sure that you have the best VPN you can get. NordVPN is the world's best VPN service, offering fast connectivity, most servers, and next-gen encryption to make sure that everything you do online stays secure. Plus, you can use NordVPN on all of your computers and devices, no matter the operating system. With Nord's VPN's unlimited bandwidth, you never have to worry about a slow connection either, and plans start at under $400 per month. So grab at your exclusive NordVPN deal by using nordvpn.com slash believe or use the code B-L-E-A-V, that's believe, to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan plus one additional month for free. It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Nord VPN. You know, we'll see what happens. I think uh, I think there's a lot of pieces on offense to work with, and I think Kirk can bring out uh, bring out the best in those guys that we have. I think that they that we would build the statues for Quazy or O'Connell if they could just fix the offensive line. I, I think that if they, <laughs> if I really do, if they came in in week one, two, and three, we're seeing Cousins the pocket. Uh, all of us would feel vindicated after eight years of saying this, like, what don't, why don't they get it? They don't get it. We do. They don't. Uh, so I think yeah. that if we start to see some free agent moves, it's probably not enough money for Brandon Scherf, but those type of uh, guys that are good at pass protection too, as opposed to zone blocking for running backs. Um, I really think that they could change a lot by simply doing that because year after year, it's just uh, incessant pressure on whether it was Keenum or cousins or Bradford. And it's, I cannot believe that the previous regime never quite got a handle on it. Brian, have you seen uh, in during your playing career, like a, a new coach or a new coordinator come in and just unlock uh, an offense or a defense or a player, uh, because that's kind of the hope the Vikings would have to have uh, on offense with the, with the new coach. I can say a player, maybe not like a whole offense. It probably takes people time to buy in, but I've seen players get unlocked. I've seen like Sidney Rice, the years when he got unlocked mm-hmm. and things like that. And I feel like a lot of that had to do with Brett Favre, to be honest. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not really the coach. Um, so I don't really know. Um, it's all—it's just all about, you know, players buying into like, you know, whatever the system is he brings in, and but I think they will just because of the fact that he just came from a Super Bowl caliber, you know, Super Bowl team, and they're going to be more, you know, apt to listen to what he has to say because they feel like it's coming from, you know, where he just came from as well. So he'll bring some of that, and plus add his own stuff in. I think I think it's cool that Sean McVay is the youngest coach in the NFL, and he has a coaching tree. That's damn good. Yeah. Between LaFleur, Zach Taylor, and now O'Connell, who we hope is damn good. The youngest coach in the NFL has Brandon probably, Staley too, right? Yeah, yeah. He yeah, he has the most promising and results oriented coaching tree, and he's younger than me. But that's crazy. That's, cool. that's a, a segue to my question, Ron. So with McVeigh, the reason that he nails all of this coaching stuff and football stuff is A, he looks cool. B, he sounds cool. <laughs> he sounds cool on top of it. His voice sounds like the brick wall run through it stuff. And then C, his team wins football games habitually. Um, so Sally was telling us two weeks ago that some of the early stuff on O'Connell is he's not quite that much of a type of dude. Like, you know, he might have some of that young guy 
Childress flavor where he, he's bland out of the gate. We shall see. There was a, he just had a video on Twitter that I haven't watched yet. That was on the Vikings account. I got to watch after this. But anyhow, do you think that he'll bring Ron some of that McVeigh spirit with him? Or do you think we're just getting the, the mind and the experience from the McVeigh tree? So I, I think him and McVeigh are very polarizing like personalities and just the little bit that I know, obviously I know more about the, about, about McVeigh, uh, but he definitely seems like that fiery, um, you know, very vocal. Um, he might be soft-spoken, but very vocal, uh, but very cerebral. Whereas Kevin O'Connell seems to kind of be a little more reserved. Um, but he also does seem very cerebral, cerebral and very smart. And I think that's the ultimate factor is if you know what you're doing, however, your way of, portraying that I think will be well received uh but if you come across as an idiot a la in my mind Brad Childress um then I think things can go south so I don't know if um putting him in a leadership position if that'll bring out something that might or may or may or may not be there as far as that fiery personality but um I mean I like what I'm learning about him and uh kind of how he you know, how he talks to, there's videos of him, how he talks to players, you know, there's the one with Dwayne Haskins. And, um, you know, I know one of my knocks was the quarterbacks that he's worked with other than Kirk haven't been very good. Um, so is that him or is, did he even get more out of these quarterbacks than that was even there? So, um, we'll see what happens, but, um, I'm not expecting a, uh, you know, him to all of a sudden be that Mike Tomlin, uh, fiery personality where he's the, the, the guy um, in front of the camera, you know, kind of yelling or, you know, making his point um, in a loud way or boisterous way, I guess, not loud. He could end up having that. And he just never had a, a forum to showcase it as the offensive coordinator. I mean, that was McVeigh's job. He's the, he's the, the prince here doing all that. Um, but I mean, if he, if he doesn't get overly crazy excited, that's just, just the type of human he is. So Sally, do you expect to see some of that McVeigh flair on the sidelines or do you think we'd got kind of an even keeled young offensive mind? Well, I did say that I was reading, um, you know, when he was first rumored to be hired that he was, you know, kind of a, a boring guy, but I got to tell you this quote from Quazy today saying, finishing his statement with, he is a genuinely positive person who will help create a high energy internal environment hey i could be completely wrong and all these people coming to me with this assessment could be completely wrong because is quasi going to steer me wrong i don't think so nope. so i'm wait- i'm looking forward to high energy and if he does quasi will just smile at you and everything is forgiven right look kevin's got a good smile too they both got the obama smiles <laughs> exactly so um i i think it could be very true that i mean with mcveigh is there a reason for him to step up and be this highly animated <laughs> um guy he might be that what he needs to be that we just don't see but i think mcveigh pretty i mean how many guys do you need competing for that role it, not really more than one right so um but i think of course some of that's got to rub off on him if he saw that that worked um mm-hmm. over the years that he was under him so i think that he will probably end up having more of a personality than has been seen previously regardless the only knock during this two week saga i think that's since yeah two weeks since harbaugh mania uh that the only knock that i've seen about him was some sort of tweet from somebody that i trust said that he might have been hired one year too early but the vikings were willing to take that chance get to get him in the building that's right like, oh that's, yeah i did see that yeah whatever whoever said that said that you know 
and I don't know if that means growing pains or it's just to take a while for it to all come together on the X's and O's of being a head coach. But yeah, that might be the one thing we have to swallow is that uh, we'll need a growth year. But I think we're kind of expecting that. Brian, who is the most intense? Like we're talking about McVeigh and his his motivating skills. Who is the most intense coach you played for, sir? Most intense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, Coach Tice could get intense, but some some of his stuff we were like <laughs> was a stage, like you know, some <laughs> some some I don't know. Somebody tried to say they see him like move a chalkboard, like he knew he was going to hit it. I don't know, some stuff like that. So at a certain point, we thought some of it might have been like he knew he had to stage like an aggressive speech, you know, before certain games or whatever. But he was pretty intense. Yeah. And then uh, what about uh, Harbaugh? What was his personality like? Um, his was kind of, me and had the same birthday. His was, his was kind of, um, labor season. Like, um, he would, he would yell here and there, but not too much. Cause like I said before, you had Ed Reed and Terrell Suggs and Ray Lewis there. And he wasn't going to do so much yelling. And prior to me getting there, like, they did, like, a thing one time where he basically boycotted, like, practice one day. So I, it, it was, like, a little, like, okay, I'm not going to do too much because oh, yeah, somebody right. else here controls the locker rooms, clearly. So <laughs> told everybody not to go out to practice one day, one day, and they didn't go. So yeah. he didn't really do too much. Like, I mean, he did his job, but he didn't. He would have his moments, but it was never too much. Like, yeah. And then, what about Joe Philbin in Miami? That was such a whole laid back atmosphere. And when I got to Miami, I was like, oh wow, like this is so laid back. And <laughs> I could have I been here. I could have been doing this a little longer. But remember when I got there? Remember they had the whole bullying thing five days later, and it was like, oh gosh. Oh yeah, <laughs> I yeah, forgot you were there for that. Like, These people, I can't be getting involved. Yeah, it was, a young, it was a young group too at this point. Yeah. It was like young guys who they were like just I feel like more happy to one be in the league, but then two be in Miami. And I was like, I get we're in Miami, but guess what? You can still live here in off season. So I was just like, kind of like, uh, yeah, the focus wasn't the same. Like if I was in Baltimore, Minnesota, you know. Now, was that, like, you know, we don't need to get into details or anything, but I know, like, between, like, Incognito and Jonathan Martin or whatever, was there anything, like, that was out, like, of an ordinary locker room? Or, like, was it, like, no. was there? But that's why I was confused, because with that situation, um, we had played, it was my first game we played um, New England, and then we had a Thursday night game against uh, Cincinnati. And um, so we didn't have Monday off, we didn't have off that week. We just had a late practice on that Monday. And our practice was that night. So we did all the meetings and everything. We ate. So that's where it happened that we were um, in the cafeteria about to eat dinner. Then we might have a practice afterwards, like a walk or something. And um, as the offensive line, we all sat together and ate. 
But uh, Jonathan was like last for some reason. We all pretty much at eight at this point, and he was just coming in. And Richie was like, he's going to put his tray down. He's going to go over, grab something to drink, and come back and sit down. He said, we sit down, we're going to all get up with a tray away. Something so simple, like high school, like that. I was like, hey, okay. So he sat his tray down. He did everything Richie said. He came, sat his tray down. He walked over, got him something to drink, and he came with the back and he sat down. And all of a sudden, you hear everybody's chair go, and like, everybody got up. <laughs> and he just flipped his plate and stormed out. I was like, what just happened? Mm-hmm. And he never, like, he left. He grabbed his keys and, like, just left out. So, personally, I just felt like he got his feelings. And at that point, when he left and he missed practice, he knew he was going to get fined. So, you just had to make it a bigger deal. And you asked me personally. <laughs> so, now, it's like, I make, I'm going to make this a bigger deal now. Like, you know, but... Because that's all that happened. <laughs> they sat next to each other. They just sit next to each other on a flight. So I was confused. Like they're friends. Y'all sitting next to each other on the flight. I think they were probably roommates. Were on, like on you know away games, home games. Like so, I was like, it's not like they're not friends. Like, I don't know. I was just so confused with that. And, you know, we all had to get interviewed behind that too. Like they did an investigation, and they had interviewed us. Like we had to go up in the room, and like the man was questioning me. Like, well, do you feel like <laughs> like as if I had something to do with it? that you coming here and making him move from left tackle to right tackle might have had something to do with how he was feeling. I'm like, listen, I don't know. This is a job. Like, Michael Orr, he didn't feel that way when he went to Baltimore. Like, who knows? Like, right. He's not here. <laughs> how, <laughs> much of, how much of a distraction is that, though, when all of that's that going on? That was a big distraction because that carried on for so long that every time, like, the media could come in there, it was about that. Like, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, and it ran, it ran in the media for so long. And it was like, they, neither one of them are here anymore. So now I have a new guard, because Richie was next to me. So now I have a new guard that's playing next to me in my second week, who's a young guy who, it was between two guys. I had to tell them who I felt more comfortable with, which was a rookie, because you had another guy who had been there, but it seemed like he was able to just hide in the background. You know what I'm saying? But the rookie really wanted to play. And like, so it was like, listen, put him in next to me, because he'll communicate and as long as we got that going on, I feel more comfortable with him. Um, and you had somebody else who had to take over the right tackle position. We ended up missing basically two starters out of the line. Right. But guess what we didn't do? We didn't move me to right guard and we didn't do all that. We didn't <laughs> place people in position, you know. <laughs> we didn't fill other people in. We didn't move. <laughs> I didn't know that was possible. <laughs> I think I think that's our most consistent talking point on the show from start to finish, starting in August 2020, is our our Bryant's befuddlement by the Vikings saying, "Well, wait a second, you're a right tackle. We got an injured left guard. Do you want to swing on over there, buddy?" And the guy's like, right. "Sure, I'll do it." And then he sucks. And then we we think the guy as a whole sucks. We never want to see him again. And yeah, we did um, that. All hopefully, the that's the past. Yeah, that's hopefully so that's the goal. If if we get an offensive-minded head coach that doesn't fix the offensive line, I'm just going to uh become the cynical one that the rest of the, the, the clan is on these on this Viking stuff. I am, I'm am. I just I'm at wit's end. All right, let's talk a little bit about free agency, which is less than four weeks away. You're going to get a lot of clues and hints about this team who's coming back, who's leaving based on moves that will heat up in about two and a half, three weeks. And the biggies are cousins, obviously, because of the, the very famous cap hit. 
And then Daniil Hunter, they'll have to figure out if he's going to um, remain aboard. And he will in the sense that his performance merits it, but he's missed almost 80% of games in the last two years. And he's still going to want a large bag of money in the neighborhood of the top five dudes who do this at the edge spot. So those are the two spots where the clues will come fast and furious because if they extend both, all right, sounds good. We, we got the, we got the dudes that we're used to. Otherwise, if they did something funky with Hunter, um, that means that we would need a bunch of edge rushers to make this thing work. And regardless, we need a linebacker. We need probably two cornerbacks and the defense should be your biggest concern right now, all the way up until week one, because it has to be rebuilt on the fly by an offensive minded head coach. So that should be trying. I wanted to know from you guys, what do you think is the most urgent need in free agency? We have the 12th pick in the draft, but Sally, do you want to see them get a, a corner in the free agent market or an edge rusher or what do we want? Well, I definitely think they need both. I mean, the Daniil thing, especially since we're kind of all in agreement that Kirk is going to stick around, the Daniil issue is um, really interesting. And I, I don't really know where you should go with that because you are right. He has missed 80% of this games. I have no doubt that he is going to bounce back and be and dominate again. However, you kind of also have to kind of wonder where what's his mindset at. At this point, he hasn't played with these guys for about two years. Mm -hmm. And so other than the vets like Kendricks and, you know, bars most likely gone and, and Harry, I mean, Everson, I know he was very excited to have him back, but he's not going to be there. I mean, he might even say, you know, maybe this is time for me to just get a fresh start somewhere else. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or, I mean, just any, I mean, it's going to be totally different this year and he's missed out on so much. So, um, obviously I would love for him to stay. I would love for them to find a way to work that out, but yes, definitely they, uh, need to go with (laughs) and fix that defense. Um, hopefully on some longer term deals than just one year deals. Um, corner would be good for sure. Yeah. Edge rush, defensive line, everything. Yeah. And offensive line, if possible. Yeah. It's frightening when you start putting them all down on a a notepad, because if, if Hunter walks, that means we got Wanham and projects. That's, that's Mm -hmm. what they got for edge. And that is the most important spot on the defense in a pass happy league is getting pressure on the quarterback. So that leads me to believe they're going to try some sort of stability with Hunter and maybe even follow it up with a, a draft, an edge rusher at number 12. But it's it's spooky. I'm telling you guys, it's spooky because normally, and I, I did this to a fault in the last two years, I can depend on Zimmer to figure it out. But first of all, I was wrong in doing that the last two years. And second of all, I can't do that anymore because we don't have a defensive brain running the enterprise. Now, I got to hope it's Ed Donatel that knows what he's doing. And who knows? He's a Packer, for the love of Christ. Uh, I mean, that was a long time, like 20 years ago, <laughs> I, but yeah. <laughs> I don't forget. Uh, all right, Ron, what, what's the number one need in free agency? Um, for me, it's interior offensive line. Um, whether it's, you know, obviously the Brandon Scherf is the pie in the sky um, wish, um, but there's, I think I saw on Pro Football Focus, like out of it, their top 11 um, or so free agents, six of them are interior linemen. Um, so I think, again, it doesn't mean we need to get one of those, but that's going to make those guys in the next tier, like, you know, become available at probably a better value because teams are going to be spending their money elsewhere. So um, I'm on board with that. And then um, targeting defense in the, in the draft, because I think it is a loaded mm-hmm. uh, draft at 
edge and corners are probably the two biggest weaknesses on the team. Uh, but you know, if, uh, if they are able to get, you know, secondary help or edge rusher help in uh, free agency, which I don't think there's a whole lot out there. I don't think we're not in a position to go and pay for Von Miller because we're not a Von Miller away from having a competitive defense. Um, you know, if there is someone out there like what Trey Hendrickson brought to, uh, to the Bengals where, you know, it seems like every year the Vikings always find a way to have some sort of money to spend that surprises you. I mean, mm-hmm. like Michael Pierce two years ago, Dalvin Tomlinson last year. So if they're able to do that and make some sort of splash on one of these guys, um, or whether it's a defensive end for a three, four scheme, um, like is Leonard Williams, a free agent, like those t- type of guys, I don't know if he is or not. Um, I mean, I think they will make an unexpected move that we're not, that we've seen over the last few years. I think there will be someone out there because, um, there are a lot of holes. So, um, if Hunter does get moved, um, you know, I think, the, you know, the rumors with the Giants having the two top 10 picks, um, I think that's something you have to explore because then, again, it's a loaded defensive class. If you can get the cornerback from Cincinnati or, uh, you know, Stingley from LSU, one of those two guys, and then also pair it with one of those edge rushers, David Ojabo or Ojaba, mm-hmm. um, I think you can be in a good spot with some youth on the defense um, that will go through growing pains, but at least there will be some talent there. Um, so we'll see what happens, but I don't anticipate us being, you know, getting the top guy at any position, um, across the board, but there'll be some surprises. I think the thing that works out neat for O'Connell and he had nothing to do with it is that the bar right now for us is low on defense. All of these points surrendered at the end of the first half. And also the second half that you would think when a defensive guru like Zimmer's exiting, that there would be this big blueprint that you have to live up to but it's been trash for the last two years on defense and the offense somehow kept the enterprise relatively afloat. So it's, it's a nice thing for him to uh, inherit because really the defense just needs to get back to average for us to feel the difference because it's been, especially in the, when it mattered the most in football games, the defense decided it just wasn't any good. So Sally, take us away with your segment. What do you got tonight? I really don't have a segment. You don't have um, a segment. No, I don't have a segment. There's not much going on. <laughs> uh, you know, there really isn't. So we can talk about free agency a little bit more. Why not? Okay. Well, let's see. On that front, the money will have to come from somewhere. We already identified the two the two big spots, but there that also means like every season, there's going to be one dude or two dudes that exit that's going to make you go, oh, boy. Now, that one kind of stings. It was Rudolph last year, and that turned out to be a wise decision. He didn't do much in New York. And Did that sting for you? No. Well, yeah, yeah, it stung because he's <laughs> one of the good guys. Yeah, of course it stung. Well, what about what do we think about the uh, Tyler Conklin, Irv Smith situation? I don't think Conklin's back. Yeah, I think he played himself into a, mm-hmm. into a deal somewhere else. He's too good. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I, I think he'll get mid-tier money being a TE1 somewhere else, which he deserves. And we will keep the promise of Irv Smith alive for another year. Is this year four for Irv Smith? Yeah, you're going to blink, and this is his contract year. That's what I was going to say. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Gotcha. Yeah, it's bizarre. It's hard to believe that we're going in the final <laughs> year of Irv Smith's deal. 
Can you believe that? I know. I, it's pretty shocking. It has been a little underutilized. Why? Oh, okay. That's what they Why? 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 <laughs> yeah, well, and the, he, him getting hurt last year didn't help. So being tight end two when Rudolph was here, um, and then the, all the anticipation on how he's going to be used, and then you don't get to see him. So good for Conklin, him. though. Conklin went and had a great year. Like, but yeah, to your point, I think he's he's going to get paid you know handsomely to to be a tight end a starter somewhere else even the delivery of the news of herb smith jr was soul crushing because remember that terrible game against the chiefs where offense just looked like absolutely incompetent in the preseason but he was the one guy that had like three catches and we hung our hat on that like well at least irv played well and then 48 hours later he was out with the season after he did like an interview injured and didn't say a word about being hurt yeah so that was crazy so i think that's our shopping list is it's the same for offensive line as it has been for almost a decade and then uh, the defense has to has to find remedies but the, the other thing that if you if you want to find solace is that uh, Brzezinski always finds a way to to find yep. this cap money and it, every time at this point in the calendar we look at the the salary cap number and we're like shit and then within a month and a half, we're like, wow, we're 14 million over the cap. Sweet. How'd that happen? That happens every year. I think the other it part does. too is at least <laughs> with uh with our offense, you know, again, assuming we lose Conklin, the rest of the offense should or at least has the ability to return next year. And with uh, an offensive minded coach, maybe that's what Bradbury needs. Maybe Wyatt Davis gets a shot and he shows why he was a you know, one of the top guards in college football. So it may, maybe there isn't as much to that needs to be, you know, addressed on offense. Maybe it's just coaching up the guys that are there. Um, and if that's the case, then you're going to see a lot of, uh, a lot of new guys on defense um, across the board. Maybe Kellen Mond is the MVP <laughs> is Mr. Mankato. Maybe. You maybe don't, he you at never least, know. Uh, Maybe um, O'Connell doesn't need to see enough of them that during the week. No, he he will see he will see want to see more. I have a yeah. feeling. <laughs> Wyatt Davis thing will be so so cool because it's not like we we willed him into being a good football player. He was heavily coveted and touted in college, and then we got him as a steal in the third round. We didn't want to do anything with him ever. Like, no, we can't. We can't do anything with him this year because he's not ready. And then you start- gave him backup reps at center. Come on, <laughs> yeah, yeah, moved him yeah. around. Yeah, take the most NFL ready right guard. And yeah. hey, just in case you're going to be our backup center because we're back to the shuffling of the O line. Yeah. So that's what I'm curious to see is if the the new brains get in the room and they're like. You guys didn't play him at all last year. What were you thinking? That's what I'm hoping. If, if indeed, maybe there's always a chance that Zimmer and them are right that he's just not good. But I have I have a uh, suspicious feeling that he, he's not completely unplayable. All right, folks, yeah. that that's a wrap for tonight. Uh, Bryant, you got any guests on your mind for the upcoming upcoming weeks? Yeah, I can see if I can get like Corey Chavis on. But you know, he's really good at oh, yeah. like, draft. Yeah, draft nasty. Draft. Yeah, I haven't. Oh yeah, yeah. We, we we for some reason haven't had him yet. No, cool. I okay. never reached out. All right, cool. Yeah, work on that, and then we we will finalize it. But that's all we got for tonight. And Skull Vikings. All right, later. Oh,
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.